This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. And I'm just going to mention their names so that if you could raise your hand so we all... Well, first off, let me say this. I appreciate publicly that you go around and greet people as you come. It's an accommodation to Indiana Bible College students. They don't just come and just sit here and they entertain. They'll walk around, greet somebody, pray with you, talk to you. And I want to say thank you for doing that. It means a lot um, to a pastor that you come in and you greet people. So it's good to have Peyton Sims. Here's Peyton. She did a great job leading worship. Alexis. Miranda Losh. She's been here a couple times, I believe. And Logan Fowler, there he is, and Sophia Maines, and the drums that says Higgy. That's what it says, brother. I, I, I'm sorry. It just says Higgy. And then Jacob is on the bass, and they were so thankful. Uh, where's he at? There he is. He's been here a couple times as well. We're so thankful. And also, it's good to have Ryan Colton. I believe that's right. I said that last name right. And um, I'm going to ask, and this is spur of the moment, I'm going to ask you to come and greet the congregation. He is the leader of the uh, MSA group that is here today, and he leads Indiana Bible College with, with the uh, MSA groups that come out. I'm going to ask him to greet the congregation today. Is that all right? Let's greet him in the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord, church. Amen. Uh, Higgy's name is Sheldon Higginbottom, and so we call him Higgy for short. Sorry about that. I should have put something else on the paperwork. But we are so honored to be here in Avon. Is that correct? You know, I was just thinking about church culture in different cities today with Nicholas. We're both from North Carolina. And in, in major cities in North Carolina, there might be one or two or three churches. But in what seems like the greater Indianapolis area, this area is saturated with apostolic culture. It is, it is not a, an unusual thing for me to go to a store and see Pentecostals, Pentecostals, Pentecostals. And so it is a, it is a great pleasure of ours to be with you in Avon today in a, in a thriving apostolic church. It might seem small on the outside, but has big worship and a big heart on the inside. And so we are so honored to be here. We're so grateful for Pastor Brian allowing us to be here. We're just happy to be a part. So thank you. Amen. And um, so um, this this time is with having IBC is a little bit different. We've had IBC, MSA groups, um, or worship groups come out four or five times over the last two or three years. But this time we're going to ask the some of the students, two of the students are going to bring the word of the Lord to us. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so... Um, there's two of them that's going to come, Peyton Smith and Nicholas Egger. Nicholas um, has been here a couple of times and we kind of know him just a little bit. And I appreciate his spirit. And I appreciate the spirit of Peyton uh, Smith as well. We got to meet these young men before service. And I believe they have studied, they have prayed. Amen. And we're going to receive it with all joy here today. So without any further ado, we're going to ask Brother Peyton Smith to come and to deliver the word of the Lord to this congregation. Let's give him a hand as he comes right now in the name of Jesus. All right, come on, guys. Let's give that hand clap to someone who deserves it. 
Lord Jesus, you're wonderful, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm just going to say I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, this is my first MSA, so if I make any mistakes, it's my fault. Um, and if I do anything good, it's God's fault. So we're just going to leave it at that. Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to give some introduction. You want to go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. Uh, thank you, Pastor Brian, for giving us the opportunity to come here. You guys have a wonderful, beautiful church building, beautiful congregation. Thank you, Brother Colt, for this opportunity also. And thank you, uh, Apostolic Church of Avon. Thank you, saints, for coming to the house of God today. You guys are amazing. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you got it, say amen. If you need a few minutes, say hold on a second. Okay, there's a few of y'all. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It says, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Ye shall seek me, and you will find me, but only when you search for me with all your heart. Bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, God, you are mighty. Lord, you are wonderful and you are gracious. Thank you, God, for this opportunity you've given us to come into your house. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd anoint these lips of clay. Anoint this vessel, Lord. Use us for your glory and your honor. Anoint our ears and our souls. Help us to receive the word, God, that you have for us to receive. Let your word land on good ground in our hearts. I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon us. Let your will be made manifest in our lives. God, you are gracious and you are wonderful. We give you all glory, all honor, and praise, Lord. Blessed be your name. You are awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. This, this is my favorite verse in the Bible because it just amazes me. It says, ye shall seek me and find me. It amazes me to this day that we as human beings, as dust, as clay, formed and shaped by the hand of God, have the ability to be able to seek and to be able to find the creator of the universe. We, we are nothing. We need to realize that. We are nothing without God. We are dust. We are ashes. When we die, our bodies are going to decompose. We're all going to be forgotten. But God is going to be forever. God will last forever. And God gives us the ability to be able to seek him. The almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who died and rose again for us. We have the ability to talk to him every day. To be able to touch his throne room every day. Because of, the, because of what he did for us on the cross. Because God almighty wrapped himself in flesh. Dwelt among us died on the cross for us so that way the veil could be torn and we can come into his throne room we can seek his face and we can give him glory we can worship him and we can feel him we can feel him Just think for a second I, I thought about this the other day where would you be in your life if it wasn't for the name of Jesus think about that where would you be at I thought about that it's like I wouldn't be here my family probably wouldn't be here. I don't think we, none of us would be here 
If it wasn't for God dying on the cross or for what he did for us. Jesus, I love you, God. You're wonderful. But you see, there's another part of that verse. Think about that. We can't say hallelujah for the ye shall seek me and find me till we deal with the when you search for me with all your heart part. It says, now this is King James Version. I don't know what your version says. But it says, all your heart. It doesn't say part of your heart. It doesn't say just the parts you like. It doesn't just say what you want. It says all of it. I looked up the word all just to see what the definition was. By definition, the word all is used to refer to the whole quantity or extent of a particular group or thing. God wants all your heart, not just part of it, not just a little fraction of it. God wants everything. We need to get to the points where we give him everything. Every day when we wake up, we have to make the decision. Am I going to give God everything or am I going to hold back a little bit? God wants everything, 100%, all day, every day, 24-7, 24-7. Someone has to be on the throne of our lives, whether it's you or it's God. There can only be one on the throne. I think a lot of times, I found this true to be in my life, I think a lot of times we try to share the throne with God. Am I right? Um, forgive the personal reference, a couple years ago, well, I was called to, into the ministry from a very early age. I was called to be a missionary. Um, but growing up, I had different plans for my life and what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be a police officer. Yeah, yeah. And so I made up in my mind. It's like, okay, God wants me to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary too. But I, but I also want to be a police officer. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be a missionary and a police officer. Boom. Best of both worlds. There we go. Happy day. God's like, uh-uh, Peyton, that's not going to work. See, God wants all or everything. God will not share the throne. See, I, I grew up in a pretty large family, and so what I had to do growing up, I had to share a bed with my younger brother for the good first half of my life. So what would happen, he would be on this side, I'd be on this side, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, he'd be on my side, and, and, and I'd tell him next day, like, Sean, get your life together. Stay on your side of the bed, okay? Like, you need to repent, okay? We finally figured out an answer, which was getting us both our own beds. But I think a lot of times, yeah, hallelujah, <laughs> I think a lot of times we try to do that with God. There, there was a point I, I came to, I told him, I said a pillow, got a pillow. This is the wall, Sean. You stay on your side, I'll stay on my side. That's what we do with God when we try to share the throne. We say, all right, God, here's the boundary. You stay on your side. Don't come over. I may come over on your side if I feel like it, but this is your side. This is my side. We'll both be happy and dwell in unison. How about that? God says no. God says, I want everything. Either give the throne up or you can, you can go to hell. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Sorry for that. Sorry for that. That's true, though. It's if you're not willing to give God all your heart, you're holding back what he can do in your life. See, God doesn't want part of you. God wants everything. God wants everything. 
you're not going to give the God the entire throne. He won't take any of it. God wants all or nothing. Because you know what? When the rapture happens, God's going to take all or nothing. God's going to come back for a church that's dedicated, a church that's set apart, a church that's holy, a church that's living for him with everything. God's not going to come back and take lukewarm Christians home. God's going to take Christians that are dedicated on fire for him up to heaven to dwell with him. Hallelujah. 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 Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom he obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. What you do, how you live your lives, what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, what you think about, shows who your king is. Shows who's on the throne of your life. See, if you're trying to share the throne with God, saying, God, you have this side, I have this side. There's only one thing that means. That means that Satan is on the throne. There can only be one on the throne. There's only two options for eternity, folks, heaven or hell. If God's on the throne, you'll go to heaven. If he's not on the throne, you'll go to hell. There's two options. You've got to make up your mind each and every day. Who's going to be on the throne of my life? See, we can't trust in our own will and what we want. Because Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. If you follow after your will, you follow after what you want, you're going to end in destruction. we got to stay focused on God. we got to have our hearts intently stayed focused 100% on Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that's going to last forever. Yesterday, fun story. Yesterday, uh, me and a group of other students, we went hiking up. How many of y'all know where uh, Turkey Run is? Yeah, we went hiking up at Turkey Run. Well, for some reason, there was a whole bunch of orange signs on the side of the road. I guess they were doing construction. And there was this one sign I saw over and over and over again. It messed with my mind. It said, fresh gravel. No, it said, loose gravel, fresh oil. Loose gravel, fresh oil. And I was like, I have no clue what that means, but I think there's a sermon behind that. <laughs> and God started talking to me. You know, loose gravel, a time that there's loose gravel is when walls are broken down. Rocks and foundations are crumbled and broken. When you have loose gravel, you let your walls, your plans, your life crumble so that way God can build what he wants up. You will have fresh oil. We cannot have fresh oil unless our hearts are dedicated to God. Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, create in me a heart that's dedicated to you. The Bible says, take away my heart. He shall take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. we got to make up our minds each and every day. No, what? Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Everything else is going to fade away. We need to make up our minds, stay focused on what really is important. What's really important. 
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that can affect your eternity. I'm getting ready to close if you would all like to stand. See, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. If you can't find God's will for your life, yield your heart to Him. Yield your plans to Him. Yield your life to Him. Yield all your heart to Him. Everything. Because God will take everything. See, a lot of times I think we try to hold back part of our lives because we're not proud of it. We're not happy about it. Let me tell you, God wants the bad parts or the parts that we're most unproud of just as much as He wants your talents and your abilities. Because it is times when, when the glass, when the windshield of your car is broken, the sun hits it just right, the cracks shine brighter than the rest of the windshield. Parts where you're broken, God can shine through more. Because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. But first, you've got to yield that weakness. What is the weakness? Your flesh. You've got to yield your heart. Yield it all. We can. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, everything that we are, everything that we have, God, we can. I would like to extend a warm thank you personally. And publicly to your pastor, brother and sister Brian. The couple of years I've been here at IBC, I've been privileged to know them. Uh, and may I say that you all have treated me with uh, the best intentions, the utmost respect. And I appreciate you and everything that you've done for me since I've been here at Indiana Bible College. I'd also like to say thank you, church. Wow, what a spirit we feel in this place. Uh, it's a church full of worshipers. And I can't. I can't express to you how good that feels to come into a new place and be able to worship you the same manner. Today I'll be taking my text from Jonah chapter number 2. Uh, but before I get there, I'm going to dive into a little bit of a setting for you. No need to stand for the reading of the word today because it may take some time. But in order for us to really take a gander at what this portion of scripture really means, I, I feel like it's necessary to go back to the beginning of Jonah chapter number one. You see, it's important that you understand the, the placement and the place that Jonah is in. He's, he's in God's divine will, and, and suddenly God asks him, he says, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. And of course, Jonah we all know the story, he says no, and he jumps on a ship to Tarshish, and he sails the ocean blue, and he's God free, if you will. What a problem that might be. And so at this time, Jonah decides that he's going to disobey God with his life. And he has fled and ran away from God's will. Let me interject that God's will is not scary. Nor should you be afraid of it. In fact, it is the safest place and the most comforting place that you could ever be in your whole entire life. And so as he's on this cruise ship trying to push God's will out of his mind and out of his heart, it's evident that he's running away from something. And the crew knew that he was running away from. We can read it in scripture. They very clearly picked up on something that, hey, this guy, there's something that's wrong with him. And he's not where he's supposed to be. He doesn't fit in. It's almost like a North Carolina boy in an Indiana world, right? There's just something different. It just doesn't really fit in. 
But in hopes of saving their life, their own life, they throw him overboard. And so we pick up right here in chapter number two, starting with verse number one. It's been three days and it's been three nights. And verse one begins like this. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Verse two. And said, I cried by, my, by reason of mine own affliction unto the Lord. And everyone said, and he heard me. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and again, thou hast heard my voice. And verse number three, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past about me, all thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. But the portion of this small little text that I bring to you today that really stuck into my heart was this. I cried by reason of my own affliction. Of my own affliction. And I cried unto the Lord. And he heard me. But then this wonderful little excerpt says, out of the belly of hell cried I. And so today, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I will preach to you on this subject, the reality of a choice. The reality of a choice. Reality, as described by, by Miriam Webster, is the world or the state of things as they actually exist. The quality of having existence or substance. Unfortunately, the world that we live in today has changed this definition of reality into something that we know that is wrong and twisted. It has changed it to what truly is whatever I perceive is reality. How, what a dangerous place that we get into whenever we decide that my perception of reality is what's of utmost important. Church, let me tell you something. We need to be biblical. I'm going to say it again. Church, we have to stay biblical. It doesn't matter what the world says that my reality should be. As long as I'm, I'm in the book and I understand what the word of God says. Hey, I don't have a problem with what the world is telling me that my reality should look like. But I know that my reality is defined by the principles that are taught on in the word of God. Amen. Amen. My reality should be the biblical reality. My reality should revolve around God's reality. When I decide that my reality holds more water than what God's does, we get into a dangerous place. When we step outside of the confines of this Bible and of this living word, that we get into a place where we didn't think we deserved to be, but yet we got there by being very quickly and relying on our own understanding. You see, it's dangerous in the moment that we choose that our way of thinking somehow is so much better than a God who died on a cross for my sin. There's power in that. No, my reality means nothing whenever there is a God so loving and so kind, was so quick to jump up on a cross for someone that he did not know in the flesh. I think it's important that my reality should be his reality. But instead, by choosing the way of thinking that I myself have what's best in store for my life, so, so dangerous. In thinking this way, it's almost as if I become a God in my own eyes. And I replace the one who in the beginning created the heaven and the earth. Church family, we must never, ever, ever get to a place that we stop being biblical. And we stop relying on the word of God. Amen. In order for us to be biblical, one must make a choice. Choices are defined by decisions that you make in every moment of every second. Of every day. This morning you chose to wake up. 
Some of you chose to snooze your alarm. I could not, I did not have that luxury. I take forever to, to get ready in the morning. So I did not have the luxury of making the choice to sleep a little bit longer because I need to look presentable for you today. But we all make choices, amen? We all make choices. Regardless if I like the choice, I still make it. I still make those choices. It was said by an admirable, uh, an admiral in the Navy uh, by the name of McRaven that if you choose to make your bed in the morning, now I don't know if this is 100% true, but I'll take his word for it, that if you choose to make your bed every single morning, it increases the success rate of your day. And somehow it encourages you to complete more tasks throughout the day if you start off by making your bed. But how do you do that? You make the choice to make your bed. Now, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. It's okay. I was going to say that I don't always choose to make my bed, so I might not be the most successful person in the world, but you didn't need to know that. So, But even the simplest of choices, even the simplest of choices, they have some sort of a form of a consequence, right? Every choice that I make, every word that I speak today, every song that we sang today, it was based on a choice, and yes, they have consequences, good and bad. Every good choice you make has good and bad consequences, and every bad choice you make has, unfortunately, good and bad consequences. Then we see this as it takes place in history in the form of World War II in the Battle of Dunkirk. You see this battle, the German forces were pushing and controlling. They were commanding the French uh, militant, they were commanding the French colonies. If, if we could close our eyes and visualize it, I, I would visualize it as like a wave coming across the ocean. As it takes from the, from the very furthest part of the ocean, it just slowly moves it to the seashore. And, and in my mind's eye, that's what I picture whenever I read about this story, that the German forces, they're just coming through and they're plundering and they're, they're moving. They're, they're not having any, any attacks. They're, they're just moving through. And it's, and it's with ease that they are conquering France itself. It was at this time that victory was, was supposed to be in the future by every account. It was coming so easily to them. So they continued to push. They continued to take control of French territory. And unknowing to Hitler and his commanders, the Allied forces were losing soldiers by the second. By the second. They were losing weapon after weapon, ammunition after ammunition, supply after supply. They were in distress. They had their backs up against a wall, literally. We find that the Allied forces are in a place where they, number one, they can't control it. And number two, there's nothing they can do about it. And so as Hitler and his forces continued to move, had they realized that this was the case, that the allies were in such great distress and they had no place to go, I'm sure they would have continued to march. But, but, Hitler gets word from one of his commanding officers and he says, it's, it's, it's too easy. It, it should not be this easy. Why, why is it this easy? And so Hitler being a little bit fearful of what may be on the horizon, Hitler being afraid of what might be coming, an ambush or, or some sort of a trap, do you know what he decides to do? He says, halt. We are not going any further. We are not going any further. 
Uncertainty was in his mind. Decision upon decision he had to make. Yet he makes this decision. No more fighting. Because there could be something. There could be something. And we look back at Jonah laying in the belly of this great fish. After running away from God, not obeying what God had had intended for his will to be in his life. I'm sure if I were in Jonah's shoes, I would have some uncertain thoughts in this stinky old fish too. I'll be honest with you, I'm sure it was cold. I'm sure it was wet. I'm sure it smelled a little bit gross. But as he had been in this fish for three days, he cries out to God, aware of what he's done to himself. That's powerful. Aware of what he's done to himself. The turmoil in his life the hard place that he is, and with no knowledge of where he actually was. All he knew was that he was in a fish for three days and for three nights. And I appreciate the cry of Jonah's heart in this text. I appreciate the fact that he cries out to God and he says, Lord, hear me. Listen, I know what I did to myself. But catch this. I am in the belly of hell. And I want to point this out to you today. That the reality of Jonah's choice was not the choice to not go to Nineveh. No, no, no. His reality was that my choice is better than God's choice. Okay? Jonah finds himself in a sea, death surely in his future, and the fish swallows him whole. It's almost as if it's a nightmare in itself. But we see somehow in this text that he cries, he says, Lord, I know what I've done to myself. Why am I in hell? But you want to know something? That fish was not hell. And, and, and this is the point that I want to get across to you today. Is that sometimes God's grace and his redemption, although it may seem like it doesn't fit. Oh, the oh, Holy Ghost. Although it seems like it doesn't work, it might seem like it's hell itself. But I'm here to tell you today that God's grace and his redemption on your life. Don't mistake his hand that's outstretched for you for hell on earth. Don't you do it. Because you never know what God's grace might actually look like. Because you can put yourself in a place that where you deny God and you deny Christ and you act as if you're God on earth. And he says, Nicholas, or he says, Pastor Brian, listen, I know you've made this choice. You really don't understand the consequences that it holds. But I'm going to send you a grace. I'm going to send you redemption. But son, let me tell you something. Don't call it hell. Because my hell is God's last chance for my life. Your hell might be God's last chance, his last moment of grace that is stretched forth to you, that that could be the last moment that you ever get. So I'm here to tell you today, do not call God's grace and his redemptive plan hell on earth. Because I'm here to tell you today that if you walk in his will and you continue to make the choices that you know that you should make and you hold fast to his unchanging hand and you you learn how to get close to this word and it's a part of who you are and it's a part of the way that you live and, and you make every decision based on the foundational principles of this word, I'm here to tell you today that God's hand will always be there. That his will is always enough. If you just stay, hold, and hold fast to this word. But I want to encourage you today. And Pastor Brian, as I was studying for this message, I'm going to be honest with you. This is not one that I want to preach. I'll be honest with you. I want to cheer you up. I want to encourage you. And and I will get to that. But I want to hoop and holler. And I want to rip paint off the walls. And I want to swing from the light fixtures. That's, That's what I like. That's what I want to do. But 
I'm reaching for somebody today. And I felt this so strong, Brother Brian, as I was studying and as I was praying and fasting about this, about this message. And I got it on a Sunday night, and I did not know what it was for. I had not been asked to preach yet, but, but there was something within me. And God, I just felt like God was saying, you preach this because I'm reaching for someone. I'm here to tell you today that God is reaching for someone in this room. It's not by accident that you are here. It's not because you decided, oh, by happenstance that I'm coming to this church today. No, 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 no. It is by God's divine authority that you are in this room and hear my voice. He is calling for you. He is reaching for you. He is reaching for you. You see, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your situation, don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says that God has left you. No, I'm here to tell you today that that, my friend, is not the case. God has always been with you. He has prepared a fish. He has prepared grace and redemption for your soul. Don't take death. Don't take the burial. and Don't take the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord for granted and call what he has made perfect and what he has made his will a hell in your life. Had Hitler known the position that the allied forces were in, he would never have given the order to wait. He would have never given the order to stop moving forward. It would have been all guns ablaze, you go until you hit the sea. And once you hit the sea, then you can stop. But I don't want to see another living ally on this beach. But that's not the truth, is it? That's not what happened. You see, Hitler and his militant forces gave the allied forces three full days of no warfare, of peace almost. And in those three days... The Allied forces had enough time to reach and call for some help. And what ended up happening was in those three days, 80% of their military was evacuated and shipped back out for help and for safety. And reinforcements came in. And to the blunder of Hitler's choice and his decision because he decided that he was going to live inside of the reality of his mind and not what the facts were presented to him. Not what looked easy, not when victory was in, its, was in his grasp. He relied upon what he thought. It turned the tide of the war in World War II. And now we live in a free, in a socialistic free country. We don't have to worry about Nazi Germany anymore because the power of a choice you see it was because of these situations that he thought he saw God gives you every single chance every fact that you need to continue to push forward every ounce and every thought of victory that you that he could put in front of you he does but why is it that we choose defeat? Because we get inside of our own heads. And for whatever reason, our reality is more than enough than the facts that God has laid out in his word for us. He's already called you out, just like Brother Brian said earlier today. Healing, it's here because it's already happened. Deliverance, it's here. Why? Because he already took care of it. You are living in a moment that God has, has already orchestrated for you, just for you. Just for you. And as the musicians go ahead and come, I'm coming to a quick close. You see, the power of Noah, or excuse me, of Jonah's situation was, yes, he called the fish hell. He did. 
And, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't fault him for it. I don't really fault him for it. But here's the thing. And this is, whew, the Lord hit me with this. And he got me good. Is that even whenever he was in the stink, he was in the wetness, the darkness, he was hungry. He probably smelled. He was gooey. Go ahead. You can imagine it yourself. I'm not trying to gross anyone out. And as he sits in this belly of this great fish, the only thing that I could think about is he's sitting in the middle of God's grace. And he did not know it. He was sitting in the middle of God's will for his life. And he did not know it. He was surrounded by all sides. He was in a fish, swallowed whole. But he was surrounded by God's grace. And he was surrounded by God's will. Man, oh man. It's so much better to be inside of God's will. Because very easily I could be that cloth. Laying down, beaten, defeated, with no help coming. That's where, that's where Jonah was, in the sea of forgetfulness. But God came by, swallowed him up, and said, I've got you, son. I've got you right here. Ooh, I've got you right here in the middle of my hand. Why? Because I love you. Because I care for you. Because my will is better than your will. Listen, it does not matter the choices that you've made in this room. It does not matter if you've chosen to serve, if you made the choice to serve God or you made the choice to, to not serve him. It could be that you are in this room right now and you are fighting with whether or not you're going to live this life or you're not. But I'm here to encourage you today that my friend, my brother, my sister, God has got you. You are sitting in his church right here, right now, in the middle of his grace, surrounded by the redemptive power of his glory and his wonderful grace. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, let me encourage you today. God has got you surrounded. You are surrounded by his grace. Shall we all stand? I encourage you today. These altars are open. I don't care if this is the first time that you've been in this church. I don't care if this is the millionth time you've been in this church. My question for you today is this. Do you believe that God has you? And if you do, <laughs> you're surrounded. There's grace on every single side of me. There's power. There's provision on every single side of me. So my question for you today is, will you choose to serve him? Will you choose to let him love you? Will you choose, despite all the mistakes that I've made, will you still choose that his will is enough for me? That even though I sin and I come short of his glory, is it enough? Reminded of scripture where the prophet was standing on the wall with the servant. And the prophet looked at the servant. He says, you don't see what I see. You may see the enemy, but let me pray that your eyes will be open to see what's beyond the enemy. It took that prayer to open up his eyes that he would see the grace 
and the delivering deliverance of the Lord. It took a prayer of repentance of Jonah for him to see the grace. A fish looks like certain doom, but when you pray and you repent, all of a sudden that certain doom says, ah, I'm standing in the grace and the favor of God. He brought me to this place that I may see the salvation of the Lord. There are people in this room, and I know that these messages were for the Lord, from the Lord, because there are people in this room that needed to hear these things today. And you're going through a dark place right now in a belly of a fish. And life stinks right now. But if you turn your heart to the Lord and begin to pray, and seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways. But the Bible says in Second Christ, I will hear from heaven. I said, I will hear from heaven. And he will heal my land. I said, he will heal my land. Then it says, the Bible goes on to say, the next verse, verse number 15, it says, and there will be a perpetual move of God in that place. What's that place? A place of seeking God. Knowing Him, calling upon Him. So we're going to pray another time in this place. And if you feel like you are surrounded and in the belly of a place that you never thought you would get to, you see, there are unintended consequences of sin. There are unintended consequences of living in this world. You never thought you'd be in the fish, never thought you'd be in the belly of a well, but you never thought the grace of God would meet you there either. So let's raise our hands across this place and let's begin to pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.